read a few verses here today. Worship team, phenomenal. Beautiful. Thank you, worship team. I give honor. I give honor to our pastor here today for allowing me the opportunity to be in front of you. I give honor to our first lady, Sister Tammy, all the leadership that is across the water. I honor them and I honor you here today. Thank you for being in the house of God. Thank you for being here. And of course, I give praise and glory to the Lord. Acts chapter 3, verses, we're going to read 1 through 11. I've said this before, but I believe it bears repeating and you'll like it when I'm finished. I'm going to practice a little bit of justice and mercy today. I've prayed, studied, and sought God in Jesus' name to do his word justice. And I'm going to do my best to preach short enough and practice mercy. (laughs) And God's going to do the work. Acts 3, here we go. Are you ready? Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple ask an alms. And Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John said here it is look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, everybody say the right hand, and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. I want to preach to you from this title here today, Transaction. Would you put your Bibles down behind you now? And would you pray that the Lord would anoint me and anoint you to hear the word and help us to receive his already anointed word here today? Would you do it now? Jesus, I give you praise, I give you glory, and I give you honor. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in this house, to be in your presence with this group of people. God, I ask that you would anoint my mind and my heart, that my speech would be anointed here today, Lord that I would be under the anointing of the Holy Ghost to preach your word, that your word would come to pass today, God. I pray for every person represented here in this building. I pray for all of those who may be tending in online, whether it's now or later on in the future. I pray that your anointing, that your spirit, Lord, would fill every area of our lives, that it would fill every room that we may be watching from. And we give you praise today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together as you're seated now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, and you may be seated. Thank you. As a 
young boy growing up, I would often watch my parents very closely. I suppose it's what all children do, perhaps. It brings to mind the expression, maybe you've heard it, there is more caught than taught. Meaning we we learn more by what we watch and see rather than what is verbally taught or even spoken to us. I can vividly remember now one instance when I was riding in the passenger seat of my dad's cherry red Ford F-250 pickup truck. Sister Dewey, I know that you remember that truck well because it was Brother Dewey's once upon a time. I have a lot of memories in that bench seat pickup truck. One of the reasons I remember it so well is because it was a manual and at times my dad would let me shift from one gear to another around the neighborhood and on the back country roads. On this particular day, my dad was meeting a man who was going to pay him for doing some work on an old firearm. Say the word firearm and watch whose heads pop up around the sanctuary. You know that they probably have one on them right now. I'm only being serious. If my memory serves me correctly, it was a Russian Nagant from World War II. That's my dad's specialty. He loves that era of weaponry. And this gentleman that my father had done the work for had struggled to find someone that knew what to do with such a rare old piece of history. This gun specifically was actually a part of World War II. It was carried by a soldier. To the man's appreciation, he was put in contact with my dad and a deal was struck. So here I was as a 10-year-old boy, just happy to be riding in the front seat of his dad's truck. We met the man in the parking lot of where the man was working and my dad then handed him the gun and the man looked it over with a big smile and he said, and I quote, it's perfect. Thank you, it's perfect. My father then replied, He was glad the gentleman liked it, and the man handed my father some amount of cash, and they shook hands, and then they both got in their vehicles and drove away. To a 10-year-old boy, I truly didn't know what was going on, and so out of childish curiosity, I asked my dad in the only way I knew how, Dad, why did that man give you money? My father then explained to me while working the clutch and gear shift of that old farm truck how He had done the man a great service that the man could not do for himself even. And for that service, the gentleman in turn paid my dad for the work provided. My dad called it a transaction. I I bring your attention now back to the 11 verses of Acts chapter 3 from which we started our time together here today. Peter and John are called out by a man seeking for alms at the gate of the temple. The Bible says that The man was brought and sat at the gate daily. He was doing the same thing day in and day out. He was just trying to make it by. He took whatever he could get from those about to enter the temple. But on this day, his entire world would be turned upside down and his life would now never be the same. The Bible says he calls upon Peter and John And then Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said these words, and I'm sure some of us are familiar, look on us. And the lame man looked at them and expected alms or money in return, but Peter opens up his mouth and says these words, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, 
give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he took the man by the right hand. Notice it is the right hand. The right hand is the hand of power. Peter, with the help of John, pulls this once lame man to his feet. And the Bible says his ankle and feet bones were immediately restored. And he began running and leaping into the temple, praising God, where all, all the people saw him in amazement. The lame man's blessing and miracle started with the understanding that the miracle and blessing was not going to come in the form of what he expected it to be. Peter had to entirely change the man's perspective before the work could take place because the man's focus wasn't on the real issue at hand. The lame man was satisfied with being lame. He was just looking for some quick fix or some temporary high to get him through yet another day. For years, this had had become the custom, and so he had become satisfied with being lame and helpless. In an instant, Peter changes the lame man's perspective by saying three words, look on us. The statement reassured the lame man of, what he should have already known at first glance. Peter and John didn't come from money, nor did they have any to give. They were poor, lowly fishermen by trade. However, they were willing to give what they did have. It's time for us, ladies and gentlemen, if I can just be so bold here for a moment, to start giving of what we do have. Stop worrying about what isn't, and let's focus on what we know to be true. Hear me today. I pray I'm not preaching to a group of people, hear me, just happy to be riding in the front seat here today. It's time for us to wake up a little bit, if I may be so bold, and fasten our eyes on the anointing that comes with this apostolic living. Do I have anybody in the house today who will say, I am not satisfied with where I am, but I have not forgotten where I've come from. But where I am is only for a moment in time. But I serve a God who does not operate in space and time as I perceive it. I'm not satisfied with where I am, but I'm looking for another transaction to take place so that the lens in my focus can be changed. Just being in the front seat on Sunday and grinding through from gear to gear every service isn't acceptable anymore. We have got to be living our lives in such a way that we are no longer worried about what we don't have, but we are overwhelmed by what we do have. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. I've come to you today with a fire in my belly and a word in my heart that I know that the Lord has given me. I've come to preach to you today about a heavenly transaction. I've come to preach to somebody under the sound of my voice. I pray in Jesus' name that you would hear it. That the Lord is wanting to do something greater and bigger through you. But the key of the matter here is, ladies and gentlemen, that what he wants to do may have already transpired in your life. Instead of us waiting on God to do the impossible, we show people on a daily basis that what we're doing is possible. Let me help you with that. You know enough here today 
You have seen enough already. You have heard enough from this pulpit and in your word. It's time for a changing of hands in your life. God is wanting to transact something here today and every day henceforth in your life and in upcoming weeks. But we have got to be willing to give, hear it, and receive. Here it is today. Are you ready? The Lord is wanting to stretch our minds and our thinking here today. And in the name of Jesus, God is going to change the way we see things. Let let me explain that. Let's look at what happens next in Acts 3, shall we? Acts 3, 12 through 13. And when Peter saw it, when he saw the people noticing the once lame man, he answered unto the people, Yea, men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Jumping down to verse 19 here through 23. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you and your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall shall be destroyed from among his people. Here it is. This is where the Lord is going to stretch our thinking here today. Your miracle, ladies and gentlemen, your healing in Jesus' name, your deliverance is so that a door can be opened to preach the gospel of the Lord. Hear the word today. Can it be, can it be that the Lord as gracious and loving as he is to us would allow us to quote unquote struggle through life to simp or simply because he wants to use us in a greater way than we can ever imagine. The struggle and the issues you are currently facing are only creating a bigger door for God to walk through in your life and in the lives of people around you. Can you allow God to change the way you perceive struggle and hardship? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What if instead of asking God why certain things happen to us, we start thanking the Lord for trusting us enough to allow the things to arise in our life that remind us that without him, all things are impossible. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I've come to preach the word of the Lord to you. It's time for God to change the lens of your imagination. It's time for God to change the way you perceive things and say, I'm not a cursed people. My family is not cursed. I am not a cursed nation. But instead, this is another opportunity for God to show his power and his glory and the dominion that he wants to give to me. 
wish I had just a couple people under the sound of my voice that would say I've already tried it and it's true. The Lord's brought me too far not to know better now. Hey! Your miracle isn't just for God to do a work in your life and then for us to go about our lives as usual. But your miracle, everyone, is to be the testimony and the tool that you use and God uses through you to open the door for God to open the eyes of those blinded around you. I have come here today to talk to you about a heavenly transaction that God wants to commit with us. It's not a matter of if God will, but rather it's a matter of if we will. Come on, you can utilize it as a rhetorical question, but I know that the Spirit of the Lord is asking the question today. It's not about if God will, but will you allow God? Will you allow God to utilize the issue and the trial and the barrier and the shortcomings of your life to minister and witness to those around you? We serve a God today who is desperate to reach every person. And I believe that God wants to use you and I to do it, but it provokes a transaction between him and us. Your miracle is meant to be used for the glory of God, not just to make life easier for you. That's such a hard pill for us to swallow at times. God wants to heal us, but he wants to use us to carry the healing message from person to person. God wants to perform a miracle in your life, what it is you know you need or what you believe you need. God wants that to transpire in your life, but he does not want it to stop right there and say, I was once worse and now I'm better. But instead, he's waiting for the right time and the right group of people so that his name can be glorified and his spirit can be magnified so that people who don't know a lot about the Lord or maybe somebody that's struggling themselves can look on you. They can watch how you live. They can watch how you speak. They can watch how you carry yourself. They're watching how you dress every single day. Time after time, the Lord is anointing you and providing that beautiful, 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 beautiful testimony in your life to be shown to those around you. I believe that the Lord is wanting to change the lens that we see our lives through. Ask yourself this question. Ask yourself, this, this may not be for you, but, but in case it is, what if the size of the trial was the measurement of how much God trusts you? Whatever you are experiencing right now, whether God simply allowed it to manifest itself in your life, or maybe it was brought on by you. I want you to know that God will use either one to save you and save those around you if you will allow him to do it. That is the true definition of living this testimony. Uh, allow me to speak to something right here. I want to speak to something and I promise you we are going somewhere. In Jesus' name. I'm, I'm not here to preach to you about how we are all struggling And how life is nothing but struggle. I'm I'm not preaching to some self-help method or, or chicken soup for the soul ideology. That's not why I'm here. One lie and attack of the enemy I want to address right here is the spirit of monotony. 
or those who, who don't seem to have a, a dire need in their life to walk with God. I, I would venture to say that this is the most dangerous or, and or life-threatening of all the things that God can trust you with. This is the quote-unquote believer whose outlook is that life can't get any better. They're, they're not really in need of anything or, or in, in need of anyone for that matter. Their, their bank accounts are padded. Their stomachs are full. full. They, they have a literal and, and metaphorical roof over their head. They have a family that loves them and a church that's on fire. They're constantly on the fence about if they really need God or does God really need them. It, this is the most dangerous position that the quote-unquote follower of Jesus Christ can be in because we know out of all the positions that have been spoken of here today, we can all fall into this, this specific category at one time or another if we're not careful. We see this happen in Numbers 11. The, the children of Israel are fed up with the seemingly subpar blessing that God has given them and so they start to complain and gripe. And I quote here, Numbers 11, 4 through 6. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did, in, which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumber and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. The children of Israel, ladies and gentlemen, had become so full of monotony. They became so used to God making a way out of no way that God's provision no longer satisfied them. Please allow me to make this a little more applicable for us here today if you don't mind. God's people became so bored with church and worship service and the moving of his spirit that they began to forget where God had brought them from. They had forgotten about how different life was before the Lord freed them. Are you with me here today? Because of the love I have for all of you, I hope that no one else in this room will ever have to experience the loss of a loved one or not knowing where your next meal is going to come from. I do not want anyone to deal with depression or anxiety or all the attacks of the enemy that cannot immediately be seen by the naked eye. But in all actuality, ladies and gentlemen, this monotonous spirit, it's the battle against your flesh every single day. This is your testimony and the life that you live speaks that testimony into the world that you live in on a daily basis. We see this transpire in the life of Jesus in a myriad of different times throughout the Bible. The Lord chooses her or Mary to carry his only begotten son and he lives to be the greatest man who's ever walked the face of this earth. He was the second Adam. But Mary had to witness her son tortured and beaten, and bruised, and murdered right in front of her. But the outcome of what transpired through that process was the greatest testimony the world has ever seen. Can I just say here today, whatever it is you're witnessing, or whatever it is you're going through at this present time, could just be the greatest testimony that this world has ever seen. 
You're not with me yet, but in Jesus' name, we're going to be there. But the world does not get to witness it if you do not witness. The question that we face every day is, will you allow God to build, create, and allow the testimony to come through you and your life and your family and your home and your generation? I've talked a lot about a question here today, but the real question at hand is, do you trust him? Is what you're going through too big for you to handle I would venture to say yes it's too big for you to handle that's exactly why you are where you are when we begin to change our lens and we begin to see things and situations as God sees them we will begin to turn our eyes lift up your eyes into the hills where your help comes from or whence cometh your help it's time for you and I to get under the understanding that we need God come on do you trust him here today come on do you trust him with the loss you've already experienced come on do you trust him with your wayward sons and daughters come on do you trust him with your poor financial situation do you trust him when you lose your job when you don't know where to go you don't have anybody to turn to do you trust him when your family walks out on you when your friend turns his back on you and says I don't believe that anymore I don't know about that anymore do you trust the Lord today to say, God, I know that you trust me and I'm going to live a life accordingly. Come on, put your hands together one time. First Corinthians 10, 13 says it this way. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Hear the word. Here it is again. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I'm preaching about a God here today. The words already declared it to be so, that he will not put on you more than you can bear. But he may put enough on you that you come to the understanding that you cannot bear it by yourself. That you cannot do it on your own. Come on, I'm preaching to a group of people here today who is a blessed people. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood here today. But I'm speaking to somebody specifically who doesn't know where you're going to turn to next. In fact, you're completely lost. You don't know where you are. Where you found yourself is a dark place. Can I just preach to you a little bit here today? Now's the time for you to stand up. For you to straighten your back. For you to declare God to be God. Let God be true and every man a liar. Come on we're going to stand up here today and say nothing that comes against me is too strong or too mighty because I still serve a God who has all power in heaven and earth. I believe it's the desire of the Lord. 
I've been blessed to grow up in church. I've been blessed to grow up in this church. And I've heard it said by some who are here, some who aren't here, about how they're, the biggest struggle that they find themselves in is that they don't know what God is calling them to do. I'm going to be careful how I say it. I don't want to overstep bounds here, but what, I'm, what I've learned is oftentimes those are people who aren't utilizing the church as a tool, but yet they're utilizing the church as the end-all, be-all, and I mean the building in and of itself, which I'm thankful for, and we have to have it, and it's biblical, and we are in the will of God. But I'm telling you here today, God is wanting to change your lens He's wanting to change the way you filter information. I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm here. I, do, I don't know why I'm having to go through this. Why has it been six months and I can't find a job? Why is indeed terrible? I've been there. Somebody needs to fix this thing. If I knew how, I would do it, right? Why am I not making more money? I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in Terre Haute, Indiana. I'm supposed to be in Brazil, Indiana. I'm supposed to be in Vigo County. I, that's because I know that New Life Fellowship is where I'm supposed to be. Pastor Harpole is supposed to be my shepherd. I'm in the will of God, but why is the will of God so hard? Why, isn't, why aren't things transpiring the way that I think they should be? Why does my family have to suffer? Why is my house not bigger than 1,200 square feet? Why do I have to pick which bill I'm going to pay each month? Why do I have to spend two or three phone calls a month talking to the debt collectors about who I'm going to pay and how I'm going to pay it. Why would you put me in this situation, Lord, if this is where I'm supposed to be? Why does my family walking away? Why are my children lost and stop coming to church? Why is my son and my daughter who have been raised in the truth no longer here? Why did my family member have to pass away? Why do I have to deal with this loss and this hurt? Why is this marriage failing? Why is this marriage not going the way that God says it's supposed to go? Why is my family not in love with God? Why this and why that and how this and how that? But I've come to preach to somebody here today. I've come to talk to somebody under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I've come to declare to you that where you are is exactly where God wants you to be. And it's time for you to stop looking yourself in the mirror. And you need to lift up your head a little bit and say, God, why am I here? And I know the answer. Who around me needs to see me? live a life full of passion and full of purpose what is my purpose it's to open up my mouth and tell people life is not easy I don't know why certain things happen but what I do know is that I'm here to open up my mouth and tell you that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Lord I'm not preaching for response today. I'm preaching this to you because I've lived it. I'm preaching this to you because I've been there. Don't allow this 30-year-old to think that he's not experienced something. I've come to preach to somebody here today. You're going to make it. You're strong enough. You're great enough. The God you serve knows where you are. Come on, we're putting our hands together. But is there somebody that would testify with your praise now? Come on, is there somebody that would testify with your praise? Thank you. God, you've kept me. God, you've kept me. God, you've kept me.
Come on, what the Lord wants here today is for you to be intent in him. I'm not up here preaching some philosophical message that says you need to stop working and you need to stop working hard and you need to stop waking up early and going to bed late. I'm not here to tell you that we're all miserable and let's just be miserable together. But what I'm saying is that the spirit of the Lord is enough to be intent or content in your life. Every day you wake up, say, God, if I don't feel your spirit, then I know I'm lost. So I'm going to seek you first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Come on, I'm looking for somebody here today who would say it's not pretty. It's not been perfect. I don't know where to go sometimes, but I made it here and I'm making it every day. I've had this conversation with my wife more than once. And it's not been long ago. Our pastor is the shepherd of our life, but he's brilliant in so many other ways. He truly, he is the epitome of what pastoralship is. And I would say that if he were here as well, he's just, he's the standard. He is the epitome from godly living, but it's godly living not just in the house or what he does while he's here, but his financial stability. Not about making a bunch of money, but him knowing that the kingdom of God comes first. I've had this conversation with my wife more than once when I sit her down. I don't know how you all do it. It's whatever you want to do, but I, I control the finances in my house. I make sure everything is paid and I'm, I, I give of our ties, but I, I make sure, of course, that my wife and my kids are involved in that. They know exactly what we're doing, what the Lord is impressing upon me and on her, but multiple occasions I've, I've went to my wife and, or she'll come to me and say, hey, uh, there's a really nice new set of dishes and it's Walmart. So I'm like, oh, thank God. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. Because I just knew right away I could feel it and then the spirit changed real quick. It wasn't the will of God if it was anywhere else but Walmart. <clears throat> I should be getting a kickback from that, Mr. Walton, wherever you are. You're welcome. There's, uh, our dishes are bad. I, I agree, our dishes are bad. What does a better dish look like? Well, you know, a dish that doesn't show what we ate and has the outline of all the hot pockets you eat. Hey, it said it was microwavable. What more do you want from me? I'm a man of law and order. It said it. I did it. We, re- we really need, uh, there's these really pretty dishes. And again, that's a silly illustration, but I've looked at her and said, no, baby, not, not this time. We're going to wait for a little bit. <clears throat> oh, okay. No more questions asked. Thank the, thank the Lord. <laughs> but I've also had the conversations with my wife where I say, hey, 
we we need to, we need to we need to fleece the Lord because I got a I'm two months behind on the electric bill and Sealyville water is only about twenty five bucks a month but somehow or another it's about three hundred dollars and it's not even real water I don't know what it is it's it's not water <clears throat> just so you're aware when you're buried with Christ here that's a miracle in and of itself that you come out alive so thank you Jesus. There are so many things that we take for granted. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I've had to have that conversation. But baby, what? <laughs> you know, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm harboring that responsibility. I, I'm, you know, the Bible talks about being equally yoked. <laughs> what should we do? Which, which would you like to go without? I've, I've had those conversations as well. And in, in my prayer time, this has been four months ago when the Lord gave me this sermon to preach. I asked God, why, why is that? Why? I'm okay. I'm not, that, that stuff worries me because I have a family to provide for, but it doesn't bother me. I, okay, we'll figure it out. Whatever it is, we'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And I asked the Lord, why, 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 why that? I'm not asking for a lot. I don't feel I, I need... Lord, can you give me... Can somebody give me 1500 bucks? 1500 bucks would get me back to to where I'm supposed to be. And standing over there about where you're sitting, Brother Larry, I was asking the Lord that consciously, subconsciously. A little bit of pride there. I didn't want to hear people, I didn't want to say it out loud. And the Lord began to speak to me and as I began to put this down, he said, well, that's how much I trust you. What? That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. That's how much you trust me. It's like, yeah, that's how much I trust you. Now, go up there and, and sing and, and tell everybody how great I am and praise me for who I am, worship me for who I am. Okay, I can do that. So week after week, same thing over and over again, and I kept asking God, and he said, listen, he finally had to smack me a little bit. I, I call it the knock me off my horse moment. Paul had it happen. Then Saul, you know, of course, that's a little egotistical. Erase that from the thing, will you? <clears throat> the Lord starts speaking to me again and says, listen, what if, just here's something for you, Grant. What if the amount of struggle that you go through in your life is the amount of trust that I have for you? Okay. What does that look like? What if everything that happens to you is on purpose and for the reason of those who are around you? If everything were perfect and good, if you had more than enough just for this earthly life, would you still be speaking with me every single day? Would you still be hitting your face every single night? Would you have meaningful conversations with your wife about how good I am and God has to do it or it's not going to be done? I said, okay. So when I stand up here today and I begin to speak to you about trusting in the Lord, I've, someone that I loved, still love, I've had friends walk away, people completely turn their back that were everything to me and then turn against the very people of, of God and go back and forsake everything that had ever transpired in my life. I'm here to tell you today, do you trust the Lord? 
there's a transaction that he wants to have in your life. He's not worried about the tie that you're wearing or where you got your suit from or how many Nordstrom shirts you have in your closet or what your shoe game looks like. He's not worried about what you drove here today or how much gas you have in your vehicle to get home. I've been there too. But God says, are you willing to show people that you love me even when you're wondering if I love you? I'm talking about a transaction today. Look on us. I'm not talking about your physical appearance, but I am talking and speaking to your attitude. I'm speaking to your spirituality that you say that you have and that I say that I possess. Are you willing to stand before people? You're saying, God, I'm just looking for a group of people to stand in front of. And God says, yeah, I put you in front of a group of people every Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Well, that's not the group of people I'm talking about. I know, but that's who I want to save. That's who I'm talking about. Are you ready for God to change your lens and your filter that you begin to filter information to and say, look, not my will, but thy will be done. I don't know how I'm going to get home. I don't know how my bills are going to be paid on time. I don't know how all this is going to work out. But what I do know is that, Lord, you are not going to come back without finding me busy. You're not going to come back, Lord. The rapture is not going to take place. The second coming is not going to happen without me showing love and mercy and grace and the blessings that you've given me, the opportunity that I have right here and right now. And then briefly, I want to speak to the other group of people. Because oftentimes in church, it's easy for us to say, well, we're all struggling in one way, shape, or form, and we are. But those of us who are blessed beyond measure by the earthly standards... You're not worried about money necessarily. That's a big tool that people use or all the different things that I've just named. But yet, it's so easy for us to get stuck in monotony. Just, man, everything's good. What, what do I need to do? What do I need? It begins to change the definition of sacrifice and change the definition of what am I willing to give. And then when I find out what I'm willing to give, how far can I push past that? How far am I willing to go past what I'm willing to do? That's sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen. Not, well, I have $5,000 in my bank account. I know I need $2,500 for this month, so I'll give 2000 bucks to, to leave 500 in my bank account. No, it's saying, you know what? I have $5,000 in my bank account. I know I need 2500 of it, and I've got to take care of my family, but I'm giving $2,500 because that's what I have. We don't like that, though. And I'll move on quickly because I don't want to be out of bounds. But I want you to be aware of where I'm coming from here today. In Luke 5, we find the crippled man lowered through the roof to where Jesus was. The first amazing thing that happens is we see the man had great friends. (laughs) And I'm coming to a close here if you guys want to help me. They were willing to do whatever it took to get their friend to Jesus. I, I want you to be aware here today, the people in this room should be your closest friends. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to help the person next to you here today? And if you're not, have a conversation with them and figure out why. Jesus forgives the man's sins first. It's just, it's something that he does. It doesn't make any sense to us as humans. Again, the lame man allowed his issue to be the door for God to be God in the lives of people who needed something they could tangibly see to be convinced that he was Lord. He was told to rise up and walk, but the miracle was not complete with the proof of his miracle. The Lord instructs him to take his bed with him. Can it be that God wanted the man to have the bed as a reminder of him being once bound? But also to have something people, uh, having something people 
could see so that everywhere he went, he could tell of the greatness of God. Excuse me, sir, what, why are you carrying that bed? Oh, this is what once carried me. But because of Jesus, because of an interaction, because of a transaction, I now carry it with me to show the world that God, that with God, rather, all things are possible. It's the greatest transaction from God to you, from you to God, from God to all others through you. I'll end with this, and and we can go about it however you like, but don't, don't allow yourself to get to the place where you're almost ashamed of your testimony. Is there a time and place? Maybe for certain things. But I've come to speak to you here today that why you've experienced what you've experienced is so that you can speak specifically to someone else's life through what has transpired in you. Hey, I know exactly where you're coming from. I know exactly what you're going through. I can speak directly to this because God did this for me. Look, here's my bed. I carry it with me everywhere that I go. I don't have the conversation with everybody. But through the anointing of the Holy Ghost and what I feel in my spirit, I'm going to have a conversation with you about this. Is there anybody in the room that has a bed? Maybe you haven't brought it out in a while. Maybe you've forgotten where you've come from a little bit. I'm here to preach to you and speak to you today about a transaction. I know I'm not pastor, but I know what God has told me to tell you. It's time for you to get up your, get in your bed and walk. There are people in here who have been walking around for a long time, but nobody knows that you were once in a bed. Nobody knows that you were once bedridden. And God forbid that we would become embarrassed about where God has brought us from, but rather that could be the exact demographic of people that God chooses to turn this world upside down with. And it can start with you and your testimony and the transaction that you allow God to have through you. Everybody standing all across this place. However you want to do it, it's fine. If you want to find a space close by, if you want to come to this altar, you're more than welcome to. What God is looking for here today is somebody to say, you know what, I'm ready for a transaction. This issue that I have, Lord, this problem that I've been facing, I can't believe you trust me this much. You, you trust me this much? Hey, wait a second, I feel the Holy Ghost. Cancer? Yeah, if I die, I'm going to leave this place. I'm not meant for this world anyway. You trust me with that? Molestation? You trust... What? Embarrassment? Being fired? Losing your job? What? What? How about monotony? Monotony, rather. How about somebody that says, yeah, everything's so good, but I, I forgot about where I did come from or how far God's brought me in my walk with Him. Anybody in the room going to testify to that? You, you trust me how, how much? What? When my friends walked out, out, out on me, it was, it was you who availed, but what? God's looking for somebody today to say, you know what, Lord, I trust you. And listen, everybody, it does not have to make sense. You've got to stop trying to, to figure out emotion with logic. There's no amount of logic that could make sense of what you've gone through other than that's how much the Lord trusts you. That's how much God desires to utilize you. We've already read it. He will not put on you more than you can bear. He will not do it. And he's going to create a means of escape for you. Everybody now, we're turning this room right here. Come on, it's not just something we want to transpire on this Sunday morning at 1142. But we're wanting it to happen tomorrow. Lord, don't let it just be a Sunday to Sunday transaction. 
But every single day, God, my day's going to be started the same way. I'm going to wake up and praise and thanksgiving are going to take place. My marriage failed? What? You trust me that much? What about my children who are lost and dying? And I can see it, Lord. You, you trust me? You trust them that much? God is saying, yeah, I trust you that much. You're the exact person that I want to speak through. Are you willing to be my microphone now at your workplace, out in the community, when you're getting your hair cut, gentlemen? When you're pumping gas, whenever you're buying something at the grocery store, what conversations are you having? What kind of transaction has happened in your life? Lord, I don't understand it, but I know that I don't have to. All I need to know is that you're with me. All I need to know is that you're with me, Lord.